Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Holly. I'm your co-host, Melody. Today, we'll be discussing the importance of incorporating nature in your homeschooling. But before we get to that, what's everybody been up to, Holly? Oh, my goodness. So longtime listeners of the podcast might remember that my poor husband has been suffering with a foot ulcer. He's diabetic. He had surgery in 2021, and he's still dealing with it. So just last week, he went to see his podiatrist and got put back on bed rest. And he's a very oh, unhappy no. camper. Oh, dear. Yeah. I know. I'm he's sorry really, to hear that. He's really bummed about it. He's laid up in bed for the next month, and we're looking at the idea of making some big changes, looking for some different things for him to help him because he has to spend so much time resting with his foot up. So maybe like a hospital bed and one of those uh-huh. little trays because uh, that will enable him to work from his bed. Just little eBay stuff. He does a little writing. So how long does he need to stay in bed? Is this a long? Um, so right now he's on bed rest for a month. Okay. So this has been, this is the one week. Yeah. And and he's been, he's been dealing with this off and on for going on two years. Mm -hmm. So he keeps getting more restrictions. He's not allowed to do any yard work. He's not, you know, like there's a lot of stuff he's not allowed to do anymore Yeah. um, because of the pressure and he's got neuropathy. So he doesn't know when there's a problem because he doesn't feel it. Mm -hmm. It's a real bummer, but we're looking for ways to reframe it and find Let's find ways to move forward because he was real discouraged. Yeah. I was like, let's think about instead of dwelling on the negative, let's look at some things we can do. So that's, that's where good. we are. Yeah, that's where I with that. Um, and then two weeks ago, I got a text from the rescue that took the pregnant kitty. And she had, y'all hold on, five kittens. Oh, <laughs> so that brings Aww. to a total of 14 felines that I have gotten in better situations. <laughs> That's now, there great. are two female cats running around here that are pregnant, and they're going to be going to the animal shelter who will take them in, find a foster for them, and then they and their kitties will get fixed and homes and all that stuff. It's getting better out here, and there's not a, there are not as many cats running around. I'm making some progress. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, that's good. Yeah. What about you, Melody? What's what's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, When I looked out the window this morning, it seemed like every oak tree in the yard had popped out all kinds of blossoms. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what's going on over here. And so I had had some plans to go and do some work out of the yard, but I opted not to get covered in yellow yeah. pollen and so I run outside and take care of the garden and then run back in. But that's been one thing. And then, you know, speaking of husbands with health challenges, my husband's been fighting a little bit of a cold. So we just stay on top of things. And like you said, we look for ways to move forward and ways to think about things. Like there's always some opportunity if you look for it. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. big on this silver lining and um that's what we're doing over here. <laughs> Just keep on going. But I've been wondering if, uh, Jen, have you gone on any more trips? It seems like yes. Actually, I was going to say the weather's been beautiful here. You guys know, but it's been like mm-hmm. warm in the 80s and sunny. We did a day trip to the beach last week. It was wonderful. Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, yeah. so Is that nice. Also, your beach. birthday. It was my birthday. Yes. Oh, 
Oh, happy um, birthday. Thank you. But yeah, we got a bunch of friends together and uh, we drove down for, to the beach for the day. And it's about a four hour drive, the spot we go to. And every time we talk about going for the day, all of us are like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a long drive. And then as soon as we get to the beach, we're mm-hmm. all like, we should do this every week. There's like, it's, a great, it's a great day trip for us. So it was so nice. And then also this week, our local strawberry patch opened up. Um, so we went and picked strawberries. It was great. Already, wow. I yeah. guess we need to be growing them in the winter so we can pick them in March. I was yeah. like, hey, wait a <laughs> it's a little bit, it's a couple weeks earlier than usual, I think, but um, they're great. You guys should come out here and go strawberry picking. Oh, uh, they trip. also have a whole field of tulips to pick starting this weekend that are really pretty. My mother-in-law went out there uh, in 2020. My sister-in-law looked for stuff that they could do that was outdoors mm-hmm. um, to break up the monotony of, you know, lockdown. And they went yes. out there and had a great time picking yeah. strawberries and getting flowers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. But it's hard to make time to drive yeah. two hours it somewhere and two hours back. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it's a, it's a great little day trip too. It's really nice out there. We love it. That really brings us to our topic this week, which is how to incorporate nature in your homeschooling and why we should all get outside more. So why why do you guys think it's important for us to include nature in our homeschooling? Well, I can't imagine not including nature. You know, for us, it was just part of the day. Uh, For a long stretch of time, part of the reason we went outside every day was to hang laundry. But we would always incorporate like some other, we got into the habit of observing the changes in our surroundings and noticing like when are trees blooming? When are the flowers blooming? When do the wildflowers come? Just, Just to sharpen those observation skills. But it was also... We all need to go outside and breathe fresh air and get sunshine. So health benefits mm-hmm. for one, but there are so many, so many educational benefits. I think we would yeah. run out of town if we tried to list them all. I agree. <laughs> so I did not grow up in Texas. I got here when I was 19. So I consider myself a native because I've been here, you know, 40 years. A while. <laughs> but um, a lot of people would have said to me, you know, oh, we don't really have seasons here in central Texas. And I'm like, I beg to differ. (laughs) Um, So I, one of the reasons that I um, have enjoyed getting my kids outside is to teach them about the natural cycles and for them to be familiar with things so that we Mm -hmm. know, Oh, the goldenrod is blooming. We'll fall this year. Or, Oh, um, you know, this certain flower is blooming or this bird has come back Mm -hmm. because being disconnected from nature, I think is really bad for us. I think that, you know, we were meant to be outdoors and we were meant to be connected with nature. It provides us with mental health benefits, physical benefits. It provides us with more appreciation of what we have around us. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now, you know, everything started to grow and we've talked about well, uh, the trees seem to think it's spring, but those of us who live in central Texas know it is not <laughs> spring until the mesquites have leafed out. And That's so far, they haven't leafed out. That's right. So we're being very careful with what we plant. We did mm-hmm. plant some butterfly wheat seeds the other day. So we're excited about, you know, watering them every day and waiting for them to come up. My son is learning how to use some garden implements. Yeah. Um, he's learning feedback. You know, so he's, you can gain so many skills. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, when I'm out in nature, I feel less stress and less pressure than when mm-hmm. I'm in my house and all the workers looking at me. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, being out in nature can just be just to go out and eat your eat your food. We like to eat our breakfast outside or our dinner mm-hmm. outside. I mean, it doesn't 
have to be formal, but you learn right. a lot just from sitting in your yard or sitting on your porch or if you're in an apartment on your balcony. Yeah. You can learn so much. I, I feel sad for people who say they don't like to go outside because it's so good for you. Yeah, I agree. And uh, nature's been from the very beginning, a huge part of our homeschooling life. I mean, it's pretty much the majority of what we do in our homeschooling life. We're always outside, always exploring. It's a constant education when you're outside. No matter what you're doing, you're observing something that's happening and you have questions and it leads to really, really wonderful conversations with your children, makes you you know, wonder about things and then want to figure out how things are working. Like, for example, going out and looking at the stars at night teaches you so much mm-hmm. about how the how the entire universe works. For real, it's been the majority of our homeschooling at my house. But I know that for some people, it's not as easy to incorporate nature into their homeschooling. And there's there can be some challenges to it. What are some things you guys have heard people say keep them from getting outside more? Well, it's kind of funny. My husband, he loves to garden and he was always planting so many things. I mean, he has terrible allergies, seasonal allergies, and he's also allergic to anything that has venom that can bite you or sting you. So his challenges that are can be rough. Know, like, yeah, although his allergies are bad in the house too. So I was telling him, mm-hmm. you can go sit outside. Like right now he's stuck in, he has to sit with his leg. Right. I'm like, you can sit outside with a book right. and put your foot up mm-hmm. and, and read a book outside, get some vitamin D. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when he was gardening before he decided it was probably not the best idea, you know, he had to have an EpiPen. So yeah. he kept it nearby. There are things you can always find to overcome, you know, allergies, mm-hmm. find a good allergy medicine, or maybe yeah. you wear a little mask that filters the pollens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, yeah. lot of times the reason people think it's challenging is because it seems to them like they're not getting anything done. I think so too. You know, they're like, oh, we got to do this math paper. Like they're playing you hooky your somehow. Math yeah. <laughs> Sitting outside and then <laughs> run around. You know, we, we've done that where we've taken all of our books to a park and then I'll be like, okay, let's read this thing and then let's go play. And then we go back yeah. to it. Let's do this and then let's go play. Yeah, so, I think and- that's so true. I think that people, especially homeschooling parents, need to recognize the value of the time spent outdoors, no matter what you're doing. And understand that it does equate to the value of the things you're doing sitting at a desk inside, too. And that it's equally as important as all the other academics you're doing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, around here, we have a lot of waterways and one is called Onion Creek. We've talked about that. Why do you think that's called that? Oh, because onions grew. You you can have a whole world of knowledge just going outside and asking questions of your kid. Right. And then finding the answers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you can, you're an unschooler, so this is easier for you than anybody else. But then you're like, yeah, check that box off. Right. We learned about <laughs> Let's follow that lead. Wild onions a lot of today. Stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So and I we always had a lot of a lot of like National Audubon Society's guide to yes. you know, your rocks and minerals or wildflowers mm-hmm. and right all of those just Love conveniently those. laying around and when we mm-hmm. would somebody would find something outside we would stop and look it up and so that wasn't even a lesson it wasn't mm-hmm. planned it was just part of being curious about the right. world around you and right. so we would you know cultivate that curiosity and look things up and one of our goals was to learn you know all of the names of all the wildflowers and I mean the weeds and the medicinal plants that just grow wild we just wanted to mm-hmm. know what are these things called the names of the trees all the things 
common yeah. to our area. And so little by little, they just kind of amass this little knowledge about, oh, you know, that's shepherd's purse or that's henbit or yeah. whatever it is, learning what's growing in the yard. But even if it's not a box you check off or something in your mental checklist for homeschool things, at the end of every day, like we got our lessons done and our housekeeping done, everybody played outside, whether mm-hmm. they wanted to or not. Mom was like, okay, go outside. It's time. Play. Yeah. Because it's time. And then, of course, once they're out there, they don't want to come back in. But yeah, they learned quickly to go outside and make their own fun. And then you get all kinds of creativity with mud and sticks and, mm-hmm. leaves and games. Really really imaginative games either together or by themselves like I have Mm -hmm. one son who was always you couldn't find him he was up at the very very tippy top of a tree thinking deep thoughts (laughs) but he or you know he just like to sit there and watch and listen and it's like that's all good he's not it didn't look like he was doing something that he was. He was just observing yeah. and enjoying um, nature, which is very valid. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Mason. Oh, guess what? I'm going to talk about Charlotte Mason. <laughs> she says that one should never be indoors when one can rightly be outdoors. And she also talked about masterly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And she talked about masterly inactivity, which is what you were saying, Melody, where it looked like mm-hmm. your son wasn't doing anything. But right. he was. He was having a masterly. Beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't beat the cost of going outside. <laughs> Absolutely. You just have to open the door, you know? I mean, yeah. you can, of course, you can spend a lot of money taking amazing trips like you do, Jen. But Not for, necessary, um, yeah. A frugal homeschooling mom like myself, who's the sole income provider for her family and works from home, you know, outdoors offers us so much entertainment for nothing. Yeah, Sometimes I think that people keep themselves from doing more outside because they're overwhelmed by the idea of of having to do these great big grand things. Like, you know, I know I talk about our trips and our camping and our experiences, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think people would change a little bit, change their expectations of what it means to get outside and that it isn't some big go hike a mountain thing, that it can be small and local and easy and a short Mm -hmm. amount of time. We try to go to any outdoor things that are posted for homeschoolers in our area so mm-hmm. my son does parkour it's outside he uh, there's a, a homeschool soccer which he's now he's into basketball he's like oh I really like basketball so we haven't been going to soccer as much because basketball season is upon us but any park days any hikes yes. that we can go on we take advantage of all those we come back and we've had some good movement of our bodies we've had some mm-hmm. social time with friends and we've gotten to look at all kinds of interesting things yeah and a lot of times when we're reading our actual like science stories or we're reading history stories or something we'll pick up on oh you know that's this thing that we saw at the park that's an example of that or oh yeah when we go to the park to do we like to go to star parties as local astronomers will Mm -hmm. hold star parties in conjunction with the local library yeah And we'll go and we'll talk about that. And then maybe we're listening to a song like the Wellerman. I'll be like, yeah, you know, back in the day, they navigated by the stars. Oh, you know, they talked about Mm -hmm. that. You know, so you can make a lot of connections and it it really enhances your schooling because you get practical things that you can hang, hang some information on. They can make those connections. Absolutely. So another challenge could be that you might live in an urban area where there's not obvious opportunities readily available to you to get out into nature. So what are some ideas you guys have for people who might 
live in a more urban area. Well, when I lived in Austin, when we just had one little kiddo, we lived in an apartment and it had a balcony off the back door or whatever of the apartment. And then the front door had the stairwell leading out. And a lot of times we would just go sit on the balcony and there was a tree nearby and we'd watch the birds, you know, look at the tree, talk about the tree. So, I mean, you don't need that much. There are, even in the most urban areas, there are animals and and plants and things that you can experience right from even if you can't go directly outside maybe the weather's gross you can observe and maybe put out melody saying a bird feeder like there are lots of ways to connect and just watching the weather is oh right i know my daughter when before they moved into their house they lived in an apartment and their apartment had a playground on the compound and so she made a point to make sure they finished up things in the house and spent great amounts of time outside Partly because, you know, apartments get to be small when you have multiple children. You're so cooped up, yeah. And you're a little bit cooped up, but that way they got to go outside and run and jump and climb and do all the things. Like maybe you don't want them running and jumping and climbing off your furniture. They can go outside (laughs) on the playground and get out. They need to be moving around and they'd also take long walks. Then you get to know your neighbors and there are just so many benefits to being outside above and beyond getting out of the house just moving around, doing some, then it's refreshes you before you have to go back in and maybe start your, the rest of your afternoon or something like that. Thankfully, part of the things that we all looked for when we were looking at houses, does it have, you know, room to play in the backyard? Mm -hmm. Fortunately for us, our first house backed up to a green belt. So then it was like, you know, the backyard, but then there was all of that space back behind with the creek that we could go and explore and, you know, dig clay out of the bank. And then that turned into an art project. And it just... Once you get started outside, the ideas for things you can do just multiply. But I know we were talking about if you live in an urban area and your choices are limited. It may just mean that you need to plan a bus ride to your city park mm-hmm. or look for those programs that are out there where people are offering nature classes. Yeah. And Even also in, connecting with other homeschoolers in your area, you can get yes. a lot of good ideas and find out what they're doing to get outside and places they're visiting and things like that. Yeah, most cities are really good about having parks and some natural spaces set aside. I know a lot of times so we go to the park. Uh, my son got a scooter for Christmas and he'll say, hey, can we go to the park? And sometimes I'll think, oh, I really don't feel like going. But you know what? A few minutes after we get there mm-hmm. and, and we're, he's doing his thing and I'm, you know, walking on the trail and we've stopped to look at an egret that was flying over the creek or we've spied a turtle in the creek. You know, then I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I need to do this more often. Yeah. And so that is I think something that we have to get over our mental block. Of, mm-hmm. And of we need to mention it. that this for the adults too. This isn't just about getting your kids outside. For the parents involved in homeschooling, it's important you for you to have that outside time too. And you're right, it is a you can feel it. You're there's a change in your whole body mm-hmm. mentally and physically. You can feel that release and the comfort of, you know, the calmness of being outdoors. Mm-hmm. We have an epidemic in our country of people with low vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes, um, you know, sometimes it's re- a result of other health conditions, but sure. a lot of times it's a result of people being indoors a lot. And, you know, it's easily remedied. <laughs> if you get outside, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the morning. Just a little like, bit, yeah. Just a little bit every day, it's really good for you. And And if your vitamin D is low, that can affect your mental health. So, I mean, it's... For parents and kids, it's just so important to take that time. It is. And I think 
as homeschoolers, <laughs> one of the best reasons to get outside is that it's a huge advantage of homeschooling all this free time mm-hmm. that we have to be able to do it. And when you think about kids that are sitting in school for eight hours a day, they don't have that advantage. It's a huge advantage we have to be able to expose our kids to nature like we can. And and everybody should embrace that. It also gives you that time to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. We always have so many things to do. We're running by the clock or we're running late or we're running early or whatever. It's nice to just go outside and watch the clouds or watch mm-hmm. Yeah. The bird, or watch the, you know, the grass move and the wind is blowing or just, just sit and watch. And that's been one of the things that, you know, it's kind of a carrot because we would, let's get all our work done so we can go outside. But then mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, just to reset kind of and go outside and just stop watching the clock, uh, except for yeah. like you, I'd have my phone or I'd have a, some kind of a timer to remind me to go and start supper. <laughs> but just to spend that time outside away from electronic things, just to be in nature again, is so refreshing. And then I also have learned that some people that suffer from insomnia, if you get outside and you're in the sun and yeah. you know, it, your body reacts to those things, and then, you know, there are a lot of other things you can do, but it did make a difference for at least mm-hmm. one of my kids who wasn't sleeping well and we were more mindful of being outside and making sure, you know, go outside in the morning, let the sun shine on you so your body knows it's time to be awake now, not at midnight, <laughs> things like mm-hmm. that. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, happy homeschoolers. Let's chat a little bit about our sponsor, Transcript Maker. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you probably feel like you know a lot about Transcript Maker. But if you've been listening to us talk about this service and you haven't tried it yet, let me tell you why I love Transcript Maker. When I found Transcript Maker, it was really new and I had a child going into senior year of high school and I was really, really worried that I wasn't going to be able to make him a transcript because I really stink at Excel spreadsheets. Somehow or another I happened upon Transcript Maker and signed up and it changed my life as a homeschool administrator. I didn't have to worry about calculating anything. All I had to do was keep my notes and plug them in to the transcript template and it calculated the GPA for me. I used it for all of my first five kids and I'm going to use it for my youngest kid when he's in high school because it's such a great product and they keep improving it over the years based on feedback they get from their users. So there's just no reason to try to do anything on your own at home when there's Transcript Maker. And just for our listeners of our podcast, you can save 20% off your subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today and fall in love for yourself. Transcript Maker, simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we discussed why it's important to get your kids outside and yourself outside and some of the reasons might be difficult and how to combat that. This half, we're going to talk about our resources and our favorite times outside with our families. Holly, what are some of the things that you've done with your kids that you've really enjoyed outdoors? Well, when I lived in an urban setting, Uh, We were fortunate enough to have a house that we rented that had a backyard. And I got outdoor things for my kids to play with. One of the things I loved was a little picnic table that they had. And almost every day, 
um, because the house we lived in was very tiny. It was about a thousand square feet and there were seven of us in it. Mm-hmm. Almost every day, if the weather was nice, I fed them their lunch outside and they would go outside and sit at the little picnic table and have their lunch and then they could run and play. Um, I called it, you know, recess, lunchtime and recess. And at that time, I didn't go outside with them during that moment. I took that as a little break for myself. But in the afternoon, once we were done with school and the littlest ones were up from their naps, we would go back outside again and I would throw the ball with the kids and just hang out with them. And that was just the most doable thing we could do at the time. I didn't have a car during the day because my husband had it while he was at work. So we couldn't really go anywhere else. We just had our yard. And so I just focused on making the yard a place that had plenty of things we could do. I would give the kids buckets of water and paintbrushes, and they could go out and paint the fence. I would let them do little art projects outside at that little table. Anything we could do outside, we did. Sometimes we'd eat breakfast outside. So that is one of the things that I think anyone can do, even if you have a yeah. very small You know, if you have a a small apartment and you can just go downstairs into the open area and you can give your kid a paintbrush and water, they can Mm -hmm. paint the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You can teach them their letters like that. You don't need a lot of money and you don't need a lot of space just to go outside. Um, And when you have a a bunch of little kids and you're stuck at home, um, you just need to to look put on your thinking cap and look like what do I have that I can mm-hmm. take outside and do outside. I think those were some of my favorite days where we just mm. played outside and I'm pretty sure those are some of my kids' favorite memories too. Well, we did all those same things, and we also had a sidewalk and a driveway, so we would uh, draw with chalk on the driveway, and they'd draw these huge towns and then play with their little cars or ride the big wheels up and down the sidewalk and things like that. But it's funny that we're talking about this today. Just last week, my youngest son was telling me that one of the things, some of his best memories come from being allowed to go outside and just explore. And having the freedom of the time, yeah, the freedom of time to go out. Because as y'all know, homeschool lessons don't take all day long. And so we could get our academic work done by lunchtime for the most part. And then we'd have some other unit studies and they often included aspects of nature. But then they they had a big chunk of a couple of hours to just go outside and play and explore. They knew their boundaries and they were good about keeping them because they knew why we had those boundaries. You know, you don't cross over into the neighbor's field, go by, there's a fence for a reason, (laughs) all those things. And so like they could explore within those boundaries and they were safe and I knew where they were and they were always within hollering distance. And then we also had some, you know, if you hear the whistleblower, sometimes I think we had a bell. And then I was watching too, most of the time because I had little ones. If they were outside, I was outside too. And I think one of the best investments we made every year was a little kiddie pool that we would, you know, Mm -hmm. put some water in there. Of course, then that meant there was also some mud somewhere They had a a corner of the yard. You know, this is where you can dig and and ruin the (laughs) ground. Don't dig up the front yard. My son is digging a hole in the backyard right now. (laughs) Yeah, have a a mud pit. And um, there's always a mud pit. And then they were always building something somewhere. And we just had, sometimes they set up this huge croquet course that would go across the whole yard and incorporate all kinds of random things. And then they always wanted to keep it out for a few days. It's like, well, for a little while, but then you got to put that up because it looked like a a crazy thing (laughs) but they would play and play and play and play and so yeah it you know it bonded together over those things that they made up themselves and then they got all that fresh air and sunshine and those are some of the best parts of homeschooling Mm -hmm. I think aside from trips to the beach or trips to the caverns yeah 
you know, other things that we did, just that free play outside is mm-hmm. so valuable. When we were talking about doing this episode, I started to think about like, what are some of the favorite things that we've done with my family out in nature? And I honestly, I feel like I could talk for five or six episodes <laughs> listing <laughs> just, just those things because there's, there's so many things and I loved all of them so much. But one of the big things that was a huge part of our life is we started a garden 10 years ago. Oh, yes. Yeah. We started a garden 10 years ago when I had a bunch of young children and we invited some friends to do it and we just did it in our yard and it grew and grew. We invited more homeschooling friends to come join us. And it ended up, we created a a community garden for our homeschool group. And it's, we just, this last year is the last year we did it. And it went on for 10 years. And over that time, I mean, my family personally, we spent so much time out there. I mean, we ate meals out there. We just went out there. It was a place where like, if my kids wanted to talk to me about something, that's where we'd go. And we, we taught classes there with our community, with our homeschool community over the years and other families came and learned how to garden. And there was just so much goodness that came out of it and so much learning and community togetherness. And it started from something very, very simple. It was just so, Hey, let's put some plants in the ground and see what happens. And then let's teach ourselves how to do this. And so we were all learning along the way. I wasn't a gardener before that. I definitely am now. And I've seen just recently my adult kids, you know, how that affected their lives and how they're all gardening now, like in their own little ways. My daughters uh, live in apartments right now, but I recently visited one and she's got a whole greenhouse set up inside her apartment. And one of my other daughters that just had a baby today, she actually took me plant shopping and they're planting their first little porch garden today. And it's just so cool to see all the things that happen after they've been exposed to those experiences. Um, I'm glad even you just, brought that up. Yeah, even just seeing like where their food came from was a huge thing that not everybody, mm-hmm. a lot of adults don't know where, you know, what a plant looks like that their food came from. And it changes the way you think about your food and how things grow and develop. Yeah. Your kids might not like it. We garden quite a bit ourselves mm-hmm. and we, we would make our kids go out and help. And it's a lot of yeah. times, yeah, a lot of times they didn't mm-hmm. like it. It's so interesting because my oldest daughter has really gotten into gardening. Last yeah. year, um, she decided to replace a bad habit. It was a good one, and she started gardening. And every time she wanted to uh, pursue her bad habits, she said, I went out and worked in the in the garden. Nice. Well, now she's just growing really all kinds smart. of stuff. And yeah. she said, I hated it when I was a kid. I yeah, hated it. Because of the work. But yeah. I have all the skills. So all that's the, the thing, too, is mm-hmm. that, yeah, when you, when you take your kids to go do things and they complain and they get mad about it and they, they don't want to be really willing participants, just try to ignore that as hard as it may be. Yeah, power through it. Yeah. You're laying, <laughs> yeah, you're laying down a foundation that they will have as an adult. Yes. And we don't know what they're going to do with that. But if we don't try... We certainly know they won't do anything with it because they won't do anything to do it. Learned how to be hard workers from working in the garden. Mm -hmm. And yes, they there were a lot of days they complained, but they also saw the benefits of the hard work and they got to see it themselves. So it had a huge impact on them. Yeah. Well, because my husband's on bed rest now and because his activities have been curtailed, he's not allowed to do any yard work at all. And I told my my 10-year-old, hey, you know, you're big enough. You're almost my size. So if I can do these things, you can do them too. 
and you're going to have to start helping me with the yard. And so I taught him to use the weed eater the other day and he was having a good time with it. And he was like, yeah, you know, I might have to go out and get some more weed eating done. I'm like, yeah, probably so. And we've been cutting limbs down, you know, and, and so he's learning to use some tools and we're being outside and we're talking about things while we're out there. So you're right, Jennifer, like just so many benefits of working in your yard and being outside. Yeah, I actually I'm going to take it a step further because I love this story. But my daughter, one of my daughters right now is a sophomore at a university in Colorado, and she's there um, as an honor student in their biomed program, which is a pre-med program there. And she was unschooled her whole life. And as a little, little girl in the garden, she asked if we could take plants apart and see what's inside. And so we did a, a class in the garden dissecting plants. And that Cotton. led for her, yeah, for her, that led to, nice. ooh, can we cut open animals and see what's inside of them? <laughs> and it really, we started doing dissection classes and we went from there. And now like it, Truly, like I can see the path from that cutting mm-hmm. open that flower to where she is now wanting to be a surgeon and how she, wow. you know, followed that interest all the way from that one little exposure in the garden. So exposing your kids to these things can have a huge impact on their life. That's a cool story. I didn't know yeah. it got started with cutting open plants. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's so good. When my kids were younger, I love hiking myself. So, but when they were little, they they weren't really into it as much, you know, because they didn't see the point of just going on a walk in the woods. So we started back then something that was called letterboxing where, and it's still around a little bit, but, but you would find uh, people would hide things on trails and then you would find them and put these stamps in your book. It was really cool, but it's kind of evolved into a thing called geocaching, which <laughs> is the same idea. It's a big treasure hunt all around you out in nature, but also in cities. You can do this in cities as well. There are little treasures hidden all over the place and you can use an app on your phone and it'll give you like you you pick the area that you want to geocache in and it'll give you directions like coordinates and things like that to find the treasures and you when you find them like behind this rock in a certain area one of the ways you do it is the container will have things in it and you can take something or add something to the container and it's little like you know cute little toys and things like that sometimes it's coins sometimes it's information but it's a really fun way because you're actively searching for treasures while you're out there. And like I said, you can do it in cities. They have a lot of them that are historical, so you can learn things about the place you're in as well. Our city did it a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and they have treasure boxes throughout the city. Yeah. And we went to all different parks to try to find them. It was super fun. It is fun. And you can make hikes fun for little guys. What I love to do is we take the masking tape and, and wrap it around their wrist backwards, so the sticky part's out, and have them create nature bracelets as we hike so they just stick things oh, that they I find like that. to the bracelet one of the things now you know we've talked about getting rid of technology when you're going outside but we use it outside too and so letting kids have their phones to take photography nature photography mm-hmm. when you're outside is great or using apps on their phones uh, to help identify things now you know there's apps where you can take a picture of a leaf and it can tell you what plant that is and so we've utilized that on hikes a lot too to keep them interested and one of my favorite tricks on hikes is hiking to a swimming hole <laughs> so oh, any, nice. any, oh, that's hike, perfect. any hike that ends in water the kids are into <laughs> that's awesome we have the sky map app on my phone yeah and my son loves oh, to get cool. that and look at you know we'll see something like a couple nights ago we were outside playing basketball um he 
has a basketball hoop, so we're practicing shot shooting. And I'm like, hey, what? Look at those two objects up there. I think they're mm-hmm. planets. Yes. And it turned out it was uh, Jupiter and Venus. That's funny. Um, I so just pulled up the us. app for that too the other day. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're all such outdoorsy homeschoolers. <laughs> One of the things I'm looking into uh, for my son, and, and it wasn't really possible to do with five kids, but when you have an only child, you can do things differently. There are lots of different nature camps, and some of them are very expensive, but... Uh, many of them offer scholarships, and I'm looking into one for the summer that has a scholarship where he can go. If he gets the scholarship, he'll be able mm-hmm. to go for two weeks, Monday through Friday, from like 8.30 in the morning to 3.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And there are nature schools uh, that yes. a lot of people sign up for, like Earth Native and uh, Natureversity, and I don't remember. There's some Wild and Free. There are lots, lots of, of yeah. mm-hmm. lots. And lots of those some of the of uh, state parks and things also offer like day programs or mm-hmm. just special programs for your kids to come out to. Um, they do. And do things and they all, that are great. They also offer a lot of just educational resources. Some of yes. our local, you can check out a big locker full of all kinds of information if you're wanting yeah. to really pursue something. Mm-hmm. And then there are, you know, outdoor scouting groups or American Heritage or like you were saying, all those different kind of groups out there are a really great way to get Get your kids even more involved in the outside. There was a yeah. time when I had a season where there were several babies or I was nursing babies or whatever. And one of my daughters was involved with a scouting group, which was wonderful because she mm-hmm. loved camping and they would, you know, do all kinds of things and go camping. Maybe it was just local in the leader's backyard, but sometimes they took trips. And so she got, that was something she loved. That was a way for us to make sure she got to do that. Yeah, that's great. So I have a podcast I have fallen in love with. Um, it's called the Thousand Hours Outside Podcast mm-hmm. by Jenny Urich. Um, she's got a really cool website. She just wrote a book which has activities to replace screen time. Yeah. And she has an app. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so the I love great. the app because you can you can make little uh, journal notes and you can put pictures in it. So it's a really fun way for me to look back and see what we've done. Now, I will say that if you want to do a thousand hours outside in a year, that means you have to be outside like a lot. three hours yeah. a day. Yeah. <laughs> every day. That's... We haven't we haven't gotten that far. In fact, this year. Well, and sometimes I don't I don't log the time. But this year, our total says we've been outside 34 hours and mm-hmm. 45 minutes. I think it's a little bit more. That's since the 4th of January. So I think but it's a little I love bit that, more. That group but that it's she offers resources and it's like you're working towards something. And there's there's rewards for, you know, 10 hours yeah. outside, 100 hours outside. Yeah. All the different levels. I just want to say, like, I had to get myself out of that. I have to complete the thousand hours because then it yeah. just added stress to my life, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to enjoy that <laughs> time we're outside that. and I'm yeah. going to, and I love to like make the notes and, and things like that. So I'm like, anytime we do get outside, I'm going to count that as a win. But like, yeah. sometimes I didn't count, like I didn't count the half an hour we played basketball the other night. So I know there's some time I haven't logged. It's just a nice tool to help you be more intentional or a place to park ideas or pictures, you know? Yeah. I also, but, follow yeah, she's, she's super great on Facebook. She, there's a, a thousand hours outdoors, you know, group on Facebook and they have them like for each day and everything. It's a great one to follow on Facebook because other people are posting in it, what they're doing outside. And I've gotten a ton 
ton of ideas. And there's a lot of great ideas for people who don't have a lot of availability to outdoors in those groups too. And a lot of ideas for different climates and how to get outside when the weather's bad and just so much creativity in those groups. So I definitely recommend following oh, that yeah, on Facebook cool. as well. I need to do that because I haven't been doing it. I've been watching it lately because there's a lot of places with a lot of winter weather right now. And I have mm-hmm. no idea what, you know, I'm not familiar with a lot of snow. So I love seeing what they do with their kids out in the snow. They're doing things like they're taking baths out. They do use like containers and do baths out in the snow with their kids, building igloos, all kinds of crazy yeah. art, ice projects they're making. Like it's so much fun to watch what people can do. When I grew up in Ohio, we would almost every year we would tramp the snow down in our backyard and we'd put water on to make a little ice rink and we would get buckets mm-hmm. and make ice, uh, like ice blocks and make our own ice houses. Yeah. And of course, sledding and all that. But I don't really want to do that for my everyday <laughs> life. My daughter that lives in Colorado, she's going to start doing something called, uh, it's using your dogs to pull you on skis. Ski joring, uh-huh. I think. Okay. She has, Never a, heard she has that. Sounds a husky fun. and a Malibu <laughs> and a wolf hybrid. Yeah, so she, they go snowboarding. They yeah. go. They just go on hikes. They they love to go out in the snow. They they've been going out on the lake recently because in their town they've been having a lot of mountain lions and the mountain lions have eaten some small dogs. Oh. And so they oh. go out to the frozen lake because it's open. And then I guess they don't go hmm. to open areas. I'm okay. like, well, that's even more of a wrinkle. Uh, yeah, I I like it here. <laughs> I like it that it's sometimes 83 degrees, you know, at the end of February. I don't have a problem with that at all. <laughs> Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question. Holly, what's our big question today? Today's big question is, how soon can I find programs for my kids to participate in in the fall? Now. <laughs> We're at the beginning of March. <laughs> right? We're at the beginning of March, and now is the time to start looking. Now, if you're talking about planning for your own, you know, like what you're doing at home, you can wait a little while. I mean, there's no rush on that right now. But if you want to get involved and enrolled in any kind of co-op or one day academy or nature school or outside program, now is the time to start looking. A lot of those groups are already starting to plan for the fall. Mm -hmm. And so you may need to get on the wait list if you're not already part of that group. You want to start letting people know you're interested right now. Right. My uh, co-op that I'm involved in, we are holding our, just this week, next week, we're holding our teacher meeting where we plan, Mm -hmm. you know, all the classes for next year. And we've already pulled all the current families to find out who's coming back. And we, you know, we have a limited spot. So after we count them, then we'll know how many spots we have open for next year. So as soon as we know, we'll be opening them up and it fills up right away. And I think most of the programs are like that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, that nature uh, camp that I'm interested in for my son is a summer camp. Mm-hmm. And I just found out about it because uh, a paper came in the mail and I was looking at it and they opened registration on February 1st and some of them are already full. Cool. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I yeah. spent quite a bit of time yesterday looking around their yeah. summer activities for him because I realized, oh, I'm already behind. A lot of them are full. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and that's not strictly homeschooler-oriented, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think that you really have to start looking a lot sooner than you think you do Yeah, in order to get your, your ducks in a row for the fall. 
I think so too. And also if you're not sure what's available, like if you're feeling like pressure to get your kids ready and enrolled in things, but you're not sure what's available, you really should take advantage of your homeschooling uh, groups that you're in, especially online groups and ask like what co-ops are in my area, what one day programs are in my area, what, whatever it is you're interested in, just start asking so that you can get that information before it's too late, before they're full. Yeah. And then if you find out that everything's full, just always know that you can start something too. Absolutely. And again, utilize those groups, go on there and say, Hey, my kid, my kid wants to have a Lego club. Who else wants to join me? And you'll always Mm -hmm. find other people. Oh yeah, people are waiting. They're looking for things. And one of the first co-ops that we started, we had signed up to be on the waiting list of a rather large co-op and they filled up. So that coordinator gave me or gave my friend and I the waiting list and we contacted all those people and started a co-op. Smart. Because all of us wanted to <laughs> be in it. Like, I was, yeah. so that, that's another way. If, if they fill up, you can ask and they may or may not give it to you, but Mm-hmm. There were uh, there were that many people on the waiting list, so we had enough people to start our own group. Yeah, I agree. Don't get discouraged. You can create something if it's not there for you. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. If you've already registered, the next SAT testing date is March 11th. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this episode the day it goes live. If you want to attend the next available SAT on May 6th, you'll have to wait until next month to register. Don't worry, though. We'll remind you when it's coming up. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it would be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, you can find our show notes on our Facebook page in the comments to new episode posts. Next time, we'll be discussing foreign language and homeschooling. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Holly. I'm Melody. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. That's a good yeah, idea. Like one of the things totally Liam different. always wants to do is make a fort. He wants to play Minecraft in real life. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh film right now. <laughs> but we need a box. Forts are awesome. Well, it's hard to do out here because it's so windy, but we got a bunch of boxes and we made a structure and it was super fun. Um, we got in it and, and ate some food in there and, you know, people have Amazon boxes out the wazoo, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can use them in a, in a creative way. Yeah.